you know, making movies is hard. Making movies is hard. Welcome. This is the podcast about the struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Purcell, the founding host of the podcast, and I'm a sci-fi horror filmmaker, and my first feature film, The Alternate, is out now on digital DVD and Tubi. And Prime. And Amazon Prime. Oh my god, yeah. I'm Liz Manischel. I'm a writer, director, producer who has directed two features, Bread and Butter and Speed of Life. And I'm currently in pre-production of my third, Best Friends Forever. I'm a producer's rep who used to manage Sundance's creative distribution initiative. On this Thursday bonus episode, we're going to play the interview from episode 323 from June 2021 with star and co-director Kate Forzat and editor Meredith Veach, who talk about making their feature Three Bound, which is a romantic comedy slash dramedy, I think mostly comedy, that they shot in New York City in 11 days. Holy crap. I thought this was a nice match for Layla and Jesse's episodes since they made the rom-com in eight days. But these two teams of them on very different budgets. I think Jesse and Layla were around 10000 and Meredith and Kate were around 70000 So pretty big difference, but both still very, very low budgets for making films. After that, we play another round of You're the Expert. But first, don't forget to check out our Patreon page. This is one of the ways that the show is staying alive and keeping going. So make sure to support us there. You can check us out at www.patreon.com slash podcast. Also, leaving a review for the show is really, really helpful. So go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. That really helps us keep going as well. But while, without any more further bibble-babble, here's our throwback interview with Kate Forzat and Meredith Beach. Maybe each of you could take one question of these production-centered questions. So um, who would like to give us the elevator pitch for Three Bound? Kate, that's all you meant. <laughs> okay. Three Bound is about two recently singled New Yorkers just went through a big breakup and messy breakup. And um, they cross paths, they meet, hit it off. And in order to avoid the rebound relationship they decide to sleep with three other people first and then try their relationship and then how many days did you shoot the film we filmed rebound in 11 days what was the rough budget or what can you talk about in terms of budget our budget was roughly around what was it 300 million was that right <laughs> meredith yeah something like that around the ballpark i think it was 350 we went for a cool 350 350 uh, million yeah yeah <laughs> i like that phrasing <laughs> 350 million <laughs> clearly i have no experience with that much money <laughs> could you give a little bit more of a hint in terms yeah, of the resources of no i was i was just being a smart ass <laughs> um yeah we filmed it for it was under 100 it was it was around what probably oh. like around 70, 70. Um, okay, yeah. copy that. And that's not million, guys. And then how long did you spend working on the film from, you know, coming up with the idea to releasing the film? Yeah, we, um, I started writing Three Bound, probably like outline form um, 2013. Um, and then we wound up shooting a, a teaser in 2014. Um, and that was a really bad idea. Um, we were convinced that people would want to, they want to see the teaser and they're going to throw this money at us. And that, that didn't happen. Um, and then we wound up going into production in 2016. How big was the crew? We were really lean. Um, I think in total, it was probably about... 20 to 30 
of us. Not not huge, but I think it depended on the day too. But we had lots of actors. And then compared to all the other projects you've made, how difficult was this one? Both of you answer this one. Well, this was uh, ultimately my first feature editing on my own. So um, as far as challenging, it was, it was, and it was fun to really piece it together and have my own say and uh, not have a whole you know, team of people telling me what to do. And Kate and Daryl, uh, the producers and uh, directors were so um, collaborative and it was really fun, but uh, challenging. Yes. Uh, difficult. I don't know. Um, it's just fun. It's great. Okay, well, we got to talk about that trailer. Like jumping into the the questions that we have, you said it was a mistake. Okay, oh, let's hear from Kate. Let's let's hear Kate's answer to the question too. Oh shit, <laughs> shit! Sorry, Kate. I was so enamored by that answer that I just completely forgot. I'm the worst. Go on. It's okay because I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Meredith is Meredith is so smart. And then I'm like, wait, what was the question? Compared to all the other projects you've made, how difficult was this one? You know, it was. It was challenging. I'd only done shorts uh, before, so it was definitely a longer haul, um, but not that much longer because it was only, you know, 11 days. Um, but it was um, it was challenging because there were a lot of moving pieces and um, a lot of things that I didn't think about. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was certainly challenging. Now let's talk about the teaser. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, because I'm just so intrigued. Yeah, you know, you mentioned this in your outreach email to us. You said we spent this money that we had to do this teaser and, and it was a mistake. And um, a lot of people make that decision, but I don't know whether they see it as a mistake. So please go into what was what were the negative aspects of that? So let me talk about the positives first, because I am a big believer in like focusing on the positive. Um, the the positive was that we really got a chance to get to know our team. Um, and we brought along a lot of the same people from our teaser to our feature. Um, and that was a great thing. Um, people worked with us, liked us and said, sure, I'm in it for a far more difficult task of, you know, a feature length film. Um, the, the drawback was, I think we listened to other people. And I think that's something that in this business, you, you get advice and it's very important to get advice from people who've done it before, but everybody's journey is going to be different. So, you know, for us, we raised, I think we raised about like $14,000 and we were like, this is going to be great. It's such a small part of what we want the budget to be. Um, and you know, in hindsight, I'm like, wow, why did I, what did I do? <laughs> um, but you know, that's how you learn. You have to, you have to jump in and decide to make a movie and then you're going to make mistakes. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it was a complete mistake because we found a lot of good people along the way. One of the people that came to us through our teaser was our, our costume designer, Emily. She was such a find and, you know, if making the teaser was meant that we were getting to work with Emily because that's how we found her, then it was worth it. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, my question is like, so what was the plan? So you, you made the teaser trailer and then, you know, you're going to raise a million dollars with this, but like, how were you Brilliant. planning to do that? And then where, what happened? Like, where was the, the fault in the plan? Well, you know, we were unknown. We're unknown. I mean, like everybody knows us now, <laughs> but we're, you know, we were unknown people. So we'd never made a film and we were new and, 
you know, you approach people and you're like, I have this great idea. And you think you have this network and then you're like, oh, my network's good to a point. And then you're just like, okay, people are passing, people aren't interested. And, you know, what do we do next? And that was a big obstacle uh, along the way, because, you know, it's like you pivot and then you pivot and then you're like, holy shit, what are we going to do now? Because we've pivoted and nothing's happening. Um, And, you know, we got to a a point where like, we literally had nothing. We had like maybe a couple thousand dollars that we raised from another crowdfunding thing. And we, we got fiscal sponsorship, which ultimately was like a huge advantage for us. Um, But then I just started getting restless. I saw that my team was kind of dispersing. Like this one was moving to LA. This one was doing this, this one, you know, and I was like, like, I have to do something. So um, I started to like, just reflect on the things that I'm good at. And I'm really good at gathering good people, like people who are in it because they want to make a movie and because they love what they do. And um, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep collecting people, but on different fronts. So I'm like, you know, we need locations. So I'm going to start there and then see how we can, you know, we need to, to get some kind of momentum behind this project. Um, and it was just so stagnant for, you know, I want to say like a year, we were just really stagnant. We were perfecting our deck. We were, you know, trying to recut the teaser and trying to make it more appealing and it just wasn't working. So I started approaching locations in New York and it was like, uh, we have nothing to offer you and we're not going to give you any money because we don't have it. But can you please let us film in your establishment for, you know, a full day? And some people were like, you know, some people were very receptive and welcoming and were like, um, sure. Uh, some people were like, well, we usually charge $10,000 a day. I'm like, oh, hmm. if our budget changes, I'm like, I'll give you a call. But, um, you know, for right now, that's not really in our budget. So, um, and that's how, that's how it started. That's how we really gained a little bit more momentum. And I'm like, okay, well, we're collecting these people. That's great. So now we have like five locations what else do we need? <laughs> you know, and it was a lot of like begging, borrowing and not stealing because we don't steal. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, that's really how it got made. It was just sheer pushiness and stubbornness. Perseverance. <laughs> now perseverance, Kate. Yes. That's a nice way of saying it. And um, yeah, just like really diving deep into like what, what, assets we have and like how to really leverage that. And going back even further, was the goal to create a summary for the film or just one scene? And I, and also uh, to follow up with Meredith, did you develop your editorial style working on this teaser? Were you involved in that process too? So I guess I'm just curious of like the um, structural artistic goal for, for this short. I didn't come on board until, um, Pre-Pro was really revving up, um, and that was 2015 into 2016 when we uh, eventually shot. So, Kate, um, I'm not sure, like, what exactly what you were thinking as far as structure for the, what is it called? The teaser. The teaser, we um, we filmed, like, a nice, the sizzle that you want to give somebody to give them a, a sense of what the project was and, you know, why they would want to know more. 
So that's kind of what we captured in the in the sizzle, the sizzle reel or the, the teaser. And it was great. Like everybody worked really hard. The team was amazing. Um, and we didn't misspend money. Like I think we just didn't have that perspective. Like we were really responsible with our budget and we were fair to people. And, um, you know, the goal was to really drum up interest in the project and to just get people to be really, to buy into it and to be on board and to fall in love with our actors and to fall in love with our team. And uh, that was really the goal. I don't want to talk about the teaser the whole time, but I have more questions. Sure. So like you're going into this, you're thinking like, we're going to raise a whole bunch of money and you're like, okay, we'll spend 14,000 on just the sizzle. Going into the feature version where you have, you know, not not the budget you were imagining. Like, what did you change going from, you know, production on the sizzle to production on the feature? That's a great question. Um, and it, it ch- we changed our perspective first and foremost. You had to. It was like, you know, we know that we have a really great project and we know that people enjoy working with us. How can we, again, leverage what we have and create a, a great environment for people to work in and also get what we want out of this film? And um, there was a lot of cre- creativity as well. You know, um, there were days where we couldn't do a full company move from, you know, the time that we had to how long things were taking and we were running behind and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think we had to be a lot more nimble with our thoughts and our, our plan. Um, and we, we went with like a, a team that was a little bit green Um, so, you know, it wasn't all these seasoned pros that, you know, may not work for what we had to offer, um, which was, you know, fine because we were new too. So we, we really believe in collaboration. You know, this is what we do this for. I don't, I don't write films to sit in my room and just like do them by myself. (laughs) And that's why I, you know, that's one of the things that drew me to, to filmmaking is like, you know, I have this idea and, you know, like Meredith, Meredith added so much to the film just because she has this wealth of experience that I don't have. And it, and it shapes the film into something that is totally unexpected. So um, working with a team that was, you know, a little bit newer, just like us, was also another way that we pivoted from, you know, the teaser. Ultimately, how did you find the financing to make the movie? Yeah, so uh, we had Angel Investor. Um, We had a couple and, you know, we did the numbers and we were like, "Mm," you know, the, the, uh, the fiscal sponsorship was key because we could offer something back to someone who was an angel investor and had no, you know, they believed in our team and they were like, I'll get something back. And, you know, I strongly recommend that for new filmmakers. If you can get fiscal sponsorship, you know, you can, you can get a tax credit for any contribution that that you get. Um, And it was, that was a, that was a big deal for us. How do you meet an angel investor? Can you give me, can I get these phone numbers, the websites, um, email addresses? Yes. It's, I have a whole list of them. So Liz, I'll email them yeah. to you. Oh, cool. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. And they just, they just throw money at you. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. I, I don't have the answer to that. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's, 
it's, it's your network. It's like, you know, friends and family and, you know, whoever else you can just get in front of and say, listen, this is what we're doing. I can't make any promises on the return. Um, but I can tell you that it's a great film and we have a great team and, you know, we'll, we'll do something with it. Yeah. This angel so. investor term is so fun. Cause like when, when I was looking for funds on, on my film, I was like, okay, there's angel <laughs> investors out there. Where do I find them? Like there's got to be a site or some sort of place where they go, and it's like a bar, no, an angel investor bar that they all hang out. I think <laughs> the bar is right next to Narnia, isn't it? It's like <laughs> right next to Narnia. I think yeah, through your network, it's like that's how you find how you find these people, and you know if if you're lucky. Um, but yeah, that's a it's amazing. Um, yeah, like I have a kind of a big picture question. This is probably not like the best time to ask it, but I just I am dying to know the answer to this. Do you feel like if you would have made raise a million dollars, like do you think the movie would be better, or do you feel like the movie is what it is, like you know, and and as good as it would have been at you know the budget you had versus ten times that? Hmm. Meredith, do you wanna? jump in i my gut wants to say no because the organic uh, nature of the film and how the actors interact would have been the same perhaps you know we can say oh the you know the locations could be better the sound could be better the cinematography like whatever you want to say but ultimately the the crux of the film for me is how organic and free-flowing it is um, and how we are put into New York um, City and, and feel that magic. And I think that with the budget that we had, um, we did an incredible job. Do you feel the same way, Kate? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a freedom that comes, you know, as hard as it is when you have such a small budget, there's, there's a freedom that I think that you have the opportunity to have when you have a small budget. And, you know, there is a magic that comes with it. You know, you don't have to answer to anybody. The only people that you have to answer to are the people on your team. And, you know, in, in the spirit of true collaboration, I feel like that's, that's one thing you don't have too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. And, um, I think that with the budget that we had, um, there were those moments of magic, you know, there's, there's one scene in particular, like I said, uh, before we were supposed to film it in a different location and we literally didn't have the time. <laughs> like we were coming up just after lunch and we're like, we're supposed to be at this point, we're supposed to be across town right now and there's no way. And it was a wildly different scene. <laughs> and, um, you know, we did a quick walk around Hunter College and we were like, uh, where are we gonna do this? Let's find a place that makes sense. And it's one of the most interesting scenes that I think is in the film. Like, it's just so telling of the moment. Um, so I think that that magic wouldn't have happened if if we had a bigger budget. It would have been a lot more planned out. It would have been a lot more methodical. Um, so I think that, you know, three bound is what it is exactly what it's supposed to be. Just for those who have seen the movie or maybe will watch the movie after this, like what scene is that? Um, it's a scene where Matt has a little romp with his coworker. Mm. Um, and it was supposed to take place at, her apartment um, oh, wow. and <laughs> yes. and it didn't it took place elsewhere so it was just a really it was a great find and you know I remember when we found it I was like yes this is it <laughs> problem solved oh. one of my favorite scenes to edit as well it was just yeah. 
yeah, the actors were just on point. And the I mean, Jason and Heidi. Heidi. Are, I mean. <laughs> hilarious together we had so many tough decisions I Meredith can speak to this but like in post we we're like oh we don't want to cut this and and um you know it was hard because they're just so amazing no Liz wants to well, ask a little bit about uh, okay let me get well, what, yeah I'm gonna do it I'm doing it I'm doing it um because <laughs> I want to talk about micro budget film because it's like y'all are going through such tough conditions you're working really hard hours you're working for such um liminal pay you know it's like it's it's dangerous, right? And and by the way, Ulrich and I are both micro-budget feature filmmakers, so we kind of understand this um, paradigm. But my question is, is is it worth it? Like, why why this film? And was the pitch like you know? I heard be a part of our team. We're a loving kind of labor of love kind of experience. But I I kind of want to ask like, is the reason? Um, you feel it's a successful because it's a finished film and because you you're proud of it, or is it because of there's something else? Because you you probably went through hell to make this movie. I'm just trying to get in a little bit deeper of like, was it worth it? And and if I know it's hard not to be super uh, hard to be super honest in a public forum like this. So as as transparent as you can be. Oh sure. Um, yes, a hundred percent worth it. Uh, you know, I started writing. I started as an actor. Uh, I'm still an actor and I started writing because I was getting frustrated seeing my talented actor friends not getting the roles that they deserved. Um, and I, I kind of fell into production um, and I wrote Three Bound because I wanted to see my friends do great work. And, you know, the acting in this with Jason and Walter and Laura and, you know, our whole team seeing them on screen shining, I'm going to like start to, <laughs> but like seeing them have the opportunity to just, and you know, Lauren, Lauren Hooper, um, Zach Miko, like Chris Barber, I, I can just name all of the people that were in the film, but just seeing them out there and having this and yeah, you know, it's not a huge budget. It's not on everybody's radar, but just knowing that we came together and yeah, it was freaking hard to do. And, you know, it's like herding cats when you're a producer, you're like, okay, we're going to do this. Are you, are you going to be around? Okay. We'll do, you know, and, you know, just seeing them have the opportunity to, to, to be in this project and to see it to fruition and to, to see it ultimately um, distributed on, you know, different streaming platforms. That, that's a victory to me. Um, and on top of it, it's a good film, you know, like we're proud of it because yeah, it has a lot of stories and it has a lot of history. And through the years, our team has become friends, you know, they, they see each other at auditions. They, they work together. They, they recommend each other, you know, so that in itself, it's building a community. And again, I feel like we're spoiled um, because we are under the radar and we don't have to deal with the bullshit that goes on in um, you know, the business, um, even though this is the business too. So, I mean, yeah, I, I see it hundred percent as a success. It would suck, you know, to continue making film after film with people that you don't really get along with or you don't really like, like, what's the point of that? You know, so, yeah, it was long hours. Yeah, it was it was difficult, and finding the time to 
um, connect, especially because I edited this in LA and Kate and Daryl are in New York and we made it work. You know, it took a little longer than what a um, major feature film editing process would be, but um, I was solo and um, kind of lost track of where <laughs> I was going. But ultimately, like, I think, I think that it is worth it because uh, we love our team and we made something that we were all really passionate about. Let's talk about what happened when the movie was done. Like what was the festival plan? Like how did you guys get to the distribution that you have now? Can you just talk through that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the festival plan was, you know, send it to as many places as we could. Um, it and see what happened. Um, and we, we're thrilled to premiere at Soho, um, which is where our team was from. And we were really very proud to be in New York and to have so much of our team at, at our, at our premiere. Um, so that was a big, that was a big deal for us. And then distribution was a learning curve for us. I mean, we didn't know anything about distribution uh, really. I mean, it was just kind of like, okay, well, what do we do now? And, you know, so it, it's, you have to just ask questions, ask what people have done in the past and, and just dig your heels in and, and, and do the work and do the research and, you know, find different ways of getting your work out there. That was, that was our plan. Our plan was always to just get it out there. I feel bad about cutting Elric off earlier, but now I'm just saying that I feel oh, bad about it. <laughs> I'll never let you forget it. Forget it ever. Um, no, I'll, I'll I'll have time to ask it later. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, well, let's keep talking about festivals then. I mean, is Soho the only festival you played? And then you know. I think all of us filmmakers know that there's kind of um, lower hanging fruit festivals below Soho that you could have easily played. So in terms of just extending that festival run, when did you decide we're just going to approach distributors and or they're going to approach us or what kind of was the threshold for staying in the festival world? Yeah, we um, we we submitted to some of the bigger festivals. Um, we were encouraged to submit to some big ones that I actually hadn't thought to submit to. <laughs> I'm like, we'll never get in. So, and I was right, unfortunately, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, someone's like, you should, you know, and this was a friend who's in the business and, you know, kind of a, a, a critical person. If he doesn't like it, um, he would have told us. And he's like, you know, you should definitely think about this. And Yeah. It was nice. It was a nice thought, though. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we submitted to the festivals that we we thought would be a good fit for us, um, and didn't. You know, I'm sure that we could have done a little bit more on the festival front, um, but it was it was a little tricky because we're a small team, um, so it's kind of like a full time job researching festivals, seeing where you're, where you're a good fit and where you might be programmed. And, um, you know, at the time I was a new mom, so that was, that was an obstacle. So Daryl has like wow. what, 40 kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, Daryl has three girls. So, you know, and, and Meredith, I think Meredith had just moved out to LA or, you know, was newly in LA. And, you know, so we were doing our day jobs. We were trying to get into festivals and, I mean, you guys know what it's like. It's like a whole balancing act. Um, so, yeah, and I, I mean, it was it was tough to do. So then, I think once we got to a certain point, we were just like, let's 
let's get this. Let's get this going elsewhere. Let's go beyond the festivals. Um, but I was very pleased to be in New York. Like I felt like that was, had we premiered in like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, Arkansas. <laughs> I think I may have pushed a little bit harder to get our whole team. And there's nothing wrong with Arkansas. It's just that none of our team is there. So it would have been like me and <laughs> Meredith. And we would have been like, we're in Arkansas. Um, so it just felt like a really nice bookend to our journey to, to finish up, at, to start and finish at Soho. So it had nothing to do with distribution. It was kind of a culmination event for the film. It felt like good timing. It felt like good timing. And, you know, yeah, I think that we were ready to move on and uh, the timing felt really good. So uh, I saw that you ended up with Indie Rights as your distributor or like the company that you use to distribute the film. Can you just talk about uh, what the experience has been like with them and like why you decided to land on them of, of all other places? Meredith, do you want to? We, we shopped around a bit and did our research. Um, we felt like Indie Rights had indie films that were sort of along the same lines as Threebound. And um, we ended up giving them a shot. And I think our relationship is good. Um, there's a little bit of, you know, passiveness, um, but we, it's kind of up to the filmmaker to really make that um, worth their own while and, and take the initiative and reach out to them and um, get reviews. And that's, that's, the next step that we encountered was getting as many reviews as we can so that we can get pushed onto other platforms. But what about, what about UK and your rights? Um, I think that overall it's been positive. I think it really depends on what your goals are for a film. Um, for us, we really just wanted to, like I said, to have our film streaming so people could see it and, you know, could experience it. And it wasn't so much about making our money back. Um, so I think that you have to ask yourself, like, what is, what are you looking for? Like, what are your goals for your film? And um, yeah, I mean, I knew that we weren't going to get our investment back, um, but that wasn't, luckily that wasn't a pressure that we had. Um, and so far with Indie Rights, it's, it's great. It's um, like Meredith said, it's kind of a hands-off approach. Um, and it is more on the, on the filmmakers. We, we've been really creative with how we've been, um, pushing our, our stuff out there and who knew that we had so many ideas on the marketing front, but, you know, Daryl Meredith and I, <laughs> we've been, you know, at the helm of our marketing department. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a blast because I love working with these guys, but um, it's been hard because you get to a point where you're like, I <laughs> literally have no more ideas. Like, <laughs> I don't like not even not even a one. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think we had a spreadsheet of like different ideas for a couple weeks and a, actually a couple months um, that Meredith put together. I'm like, these are great. And then we got to the end and we're like, no more ideas. That's it. It's definitely a learning curve and, and we, you know, ad adaptation is, is what we have to do. And yeah, we're taking it punch by punch. For sure. In thinking about, you know, sustainable careers, you know, it, you had this angel investor or multiple angel investors and they supplemented the budget and, and made things a whole lot easier, right? Because you, you it wasn't your money, it was someone else's money and um, it didn't feel, and they clearly didn't expect return because you mentioned earlier they didn't. But um, 
had it been your money, had it been a self-funded film, would you have gone with indie rights? Would you have spent more time in the festival run? Were you making decisions based off of, it sounds like a lot of what you're doing is based off of instinct, which is really amazing to be able to make those kind of decisions. And I'm just curious if you had more resources or if you had less resources, what would have been sacrificed or what would have been promoted? So would you, let's say you had $10,000 more dollars, would you spend that more on marketing for the film or would you have spent it on more festivals? Where would have the resources gone? Or would you have still run by your instincts and just say, it's time to get out into the world. Yeah, um, I think that it, it's a it's a good question, and I think that when you're making it's like a very <laughs> weird question. I will give you a break while you think about it because it's a weird question, and I think I gave like a contradictory option. But please go on. Sorry. No, it, it, it's a good question because you know I think that as filmmakers, you everybody has to consider like what they're doing and why they're doing it. So. You know, I think everybody's been on a project or had a project where they would do it for anything. They would walk over hot coals for this project. And I think that's why you're supposed to do this. I think that if you're making a movie that you don't want to make, you're not in it for the right reasons. Um, and I know that making money is part of what this is about. And, you know, you have to have a sustainable income. Um, but... I think that everybody that is putting together a film needs to consider what their goals are. Um, if we had investors that we were responsible for, um, I think that it may have been different. You know, I, I can't really say because we weren't in that position, but um, you know, if, if getting a return would have been a goal of ours, then yeah, I, I think that we would have had to have done our due diligence. I think that we would have had to consider how to allocate our resources, especially for distribution, because distribution is like a completely, you know, it's like the last leg of the race, but it's the first leg of the race in a, in a sense, because, you know, you finished this whole thing and now you have to get it out there. Um, and there are people in this world that are very good at that. Um, and that's their job. So. Yeah. I mean, if, if things were different, it may have been a different journey for us. Um, but yeah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> it's always a prompt. It's always like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what she's going to say to this weird thing that I'm saying out loud. <laughs> so I didn't even have an expectation. But yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you have to think about why you're doing the, the work that you're doing. That's, I think that's my overall um, recommendation. It's like, if you are using this project to establish yourself and to have as a calling card, uh, for your next project, you know, then that's good to know because the next project may have a, a bigger budget. Maybe you want to be able to, to put in your pitch deck that you've produced this. Not only did you produce it, but you have a return on your investment, um, and your investors will see that. So it, it's a whole different, game, you know, with that scenario. Um, that wasn't our scenario. What, what was your ultimate goal with the film? Was it just to make the best version of this movie as possible and get it out to the world for people to see? Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, <laughs> I mean, Meredith, what were your goals for this? <laughs> I'm just going to deflect. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was an incredible experience to edit a full feature. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, and I learned a lot through the process, but, um, 
ultimately, yeah, trying to get as many people to see it as possible and for people to love it um, and hopefully follow us through um, the next decades uh, to see where we're at and follow our team and whatever projects we come up with in the future. So I think that was my goal. And, and I loved getting to know Kate and being part of the team. And, and I know that we've um, created a, a, a relationship that will continue for years. Okay, Kate, do you have an answer now? Gosh, um, you know, I think it's, it evolves, you know, you, you write something and, and you start the process and you're like, oh, this could be really something amazing. And then it changes. And then you're like, okay, well, you know, it's changed into this. So I think it's something that evolves. I think that what I wanted initially was to make a great film with a really great team. And whatever success happened, great. If it didn't happen, we have a bunch of stuff for our reels, <laughs> you know. Um, and I'm really pleased with what how it happened. You know, I, I can't really say like, oh, I wish, you know, do I wish we got into Sundance? Sure. Like, wh what idiot would say no? <laughs> like, that would be just stupid. Like, oh, this was magical, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, uh, you know. I wish we would have premiered at Tribeca because I think that our film is a New York film and we had really great hardworking New York actors, you know? Um, and yeah, that, that should have been our, our trajectory, but it didn't happen. So I think that you have to really think about, you know, making the most of what you have. And I think that's just kind of a through line for who I am as, as a producer, as an actor, um, as a writer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, things you set yourself up and you have really high expectations and then you have to, you know, change them and pivot. And that's that's the that's the gig. I'm worried I'm going to go into a soapbox moment, but um, I consult in distribution. And so like that's my job. Uh, and I always talk about what you just kind of said, which is like you have to have a certain level of fantastical thinking when you go into make a film. You have to shoot for the stars or else you wouldn't make the movie to begin with, right? If you were like, all right, well, no one's going to see this movie. Guess I'll go make it. Like there's, there's nothing, nothing pushes you forward unless some sort of fantastical 100%. thinking. And then I just a hundred percent agree with what you're saying about you make the most of what you have. Like, um, I won't speak for Auric. Auric's still figuring out what his, what his first feature is, but I'm a mid-tier filmmaker. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's a working class filmmaker and you, you know, you could work your way up through the system. I I'm saying this cause I think, um, I think, uh, accidentally I was grilling you a little bit, not even meaning to, uh, because we always want to get to the core of why, why people do things, but sometimes it feels like we're pressing for something that maybe doesn't exist. <laughs> and, and so I feel like we broke through some sort of wall with your last answer, which I, um, not that there were walls, but I appreciate um, you acknowledging oh. that, um, of course, and the system is stacked against most filmmakers um, to have that kind of upward trajectory. And it is, it is. I mean, I I did my research. I I went to festivals to see what they programmed and to see, you know, I've I've done professional development, um, you know, submitting to festivals and learning about the process was staggering to know that, you know, a third of the films are from other film festivals. Um, a third are from like alumni and, you know, that leaves a third of the films that they program for like open submissions. So it's, it's stacked against you. <laughs> 
but you know, what you're saying is a hundred percent true was like, you have to create something and say, listen, this is going to be at Sundance because again, why would you, why would you say like, I'm hoping this plays at the mall, you know, I'm going to set up a screening and just like, I mean, that's uh, actually a reach for me. I'd love to play at the mall. <laughs> hey, I'm from New Jersey. Like malls are our, <laughs> mall <that's culture>. our, <laughs> where we go, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's true. I have a couple questions, but I think the one that's the most relevant right now is like, do you feel that this is a sustainable uh, process that you just went through with this film? Like, could you do this again? Or are you going to have to figure out another way to like get the money to make your next film? Um, no, it's not sustainable. Like, not at all. You have to, you know, the first time around, um, as far as like raising funds, I, I did come up with some ideas and the sad thing is what I lacked was conviction. You know, I came up with, with a plan to approach, uh, companies to, for product placement. And, you know, I, I would get to reaching out and then I'd be like, okay, they're not interested, <laughs> you know? And it's like, and I didn't know how to, to um, what's the word I'm looking for. It's like a numbers word, um, which I can't think of right now, but um, to monetize, I didn't know how to monetize like the time that their product would be in the film. And, you know, so I took a class in that, you know, so which would have been helpful before I made the rebound, but, um, you know, that's how you learn. That's how you get better. That's how you grow. And, um, I don't recommend making a film in 11 days. Um, yeah, it was hard and I'm glad that we did it, but, um, you know, we missed out on a lot of good things too. Like, you know, my AD on three bound, I met with after, cause I wanted feedback. I want, I wanted to, to be better at my job. So I, I was like, Marta, what could I have done better? She's like, you know, you don't know what my favorite film is. <laughs> and I was like, that is true. You know, like, and it's stuff like that. It's the connections with the team and um, that kind of thing where I'm like, that's important. Like, it's something that is in this industry, it's, it's so isn't it important to know her favorite film. I'm pushing back on this. <laughs> Why do you need to know Marta's yeah. favorite film? Why? Well, I think it's it's not so much that specific. I think it's like mm. having the time to get to know your team and to to change the way this industry is. You know, this industry is really transactional and it's been that way because it's a habit. It's oh, this is how things are done. And it's like, well why are things done this way? You know, we have businesses, you know, hedge funds, financial companies that are spending so much time on building culture. It's like in the arts, shouldn't we spend time on connecting with the people that we're working with? And we don't. And I think it would make us better artists. I think we would be freer with our work. We'd trust more, we'd take bigger risks. Um, and it's something that is marginalized. Um, and it's not important because we have to make our day. Yeah. That sucks. I didn't get into this business to, to, to have those kind of relationships. So. Well, I think there's also a time and place, right? Like there's a time where you can get to know your crew and you can get to have these conversations and everything. But I mean, when I directed my feature, I just, like I was friends with most of the crew before from other projects and from just crewing up on other things. But like, I was like totally in the zone. And like, I always say like everybody on that movie had fun, but me and like maybe the production designer, like everybody else had a great time. But we were like so just 
focused on what we were doing. And it, it was, I think it was a little bit more stressful for us, but I don't know. Is that bad? Maybe, it, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Maybe it, it is that focus that you need to get um, a project done, you know, especially when you don't have a, a, a long comfy schedule? Yeah, I, I think it's a good question. I, I think that it depends on the artist. I think that it depends. Some people mean, some people need more nourishing um, on the job and others are okay with just flying off and doing what they're supposed to do. So mm. maybe she was one of those that needed more um, nurturing. It's about models though. I mean, this is what um, I'm trying to run this incubator with a few other people about changing the entire film industry. It's like literally what we're trying to do. And one of the things we're thinking about is different models and making sure that you're not, we keep talking about like overextending the workers that you're with, your collaborators. Mm -hmm. And so I get what you're saying. Like I was, I had this image of like a theater company in my mind as you were talking and like how every time before every rehearsal, you would do these games um, because it would warm you up, but they also would mm -hmm. allow you to like connect and trust the other people you were in the room yeah. with. Whereas you start a film shoot, you have a safety meeting and then you're done, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's the only time you're connecting. Other. So I, I like that a lot. I like what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I, everybody's different. You know, you're never going to be able to make everybody happy, but I, I like, I try to make as many people happy as I can. Um, you know, the people that I work with. Uh, and I think that also surrounding yourself with people who have a similar process is helpful. Um, you know, if somebody is very much like on their own, they, they, don't like to interact too much, too much information is too, you know, overkill, then I don't know, it might not be a great fit. Um, so I think it depends on the team that you want to build. You have a, a last question, Liz, are you want? No, okay. I don't. I'm doing the okay. eyes, doing the five. Okay. Five. One more, one more, one more. One more. <laughs> okay. So the, the question is um, basically now that you've gone through this experience of making this film, like, like, is there another film that you are, you have the same passion to make next that you're looking to, to do? Or is it more like after going through this whole thing, now it's like, all right, I need that director for hire, that actor for hire or editor for hire job. Like, that's the only thing that you're like looking for in your future. Yeah. Um, well, I'm studying for, to, to become a CPA. <laughs> So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Well, but that would have been such a great skill for a producer. Um, I wasn't sure if you were joking or not. <laughs> Meredith's like, oh my God, you're going to be in jail. <laughs> you would be the worst accountant. No, like I, I don't know, Meredith, you, you, you go first. <laughs> this is a team. This is our film family is how I see it. And, um, whenever we're ready to do the next one, like I'm game, I'm on board um, but yeah, I need my day job is editing. So I will be taking those jobs as well as passion projects that I take, um, for colleagues that don't have the budget. I'm always open to do passion projects because I am in a position where I can and very lucky and, and thankful for that. So that's where I'm at. Follow up question, Meredith, real quick. Has this film gotten you another feature, um, <laughs> after editing this full feature? Um, I've done feature docs, yes, um, before and after Three Bounds. Um, oh, nice. For the most part, though, it's been short, short form content um, out here in Los Angeles. Okay, Kate, yeah. bring on the answer. Yes, yes. I have uh, a script that's uh, draft three, um, and I'm really excited about it. Um, and then I have another one that I'm 
starting just ideas with a colleague. So yes, uh, there'll, there'll be something else in the works for sure. Uh, and I wouldn't, I, I'd change some things. Uh, we're going to strive for more money. Um, we're going to strive for more days. Yes. Yes. And one of the things that I want to strive for, if, if I can, uh, I, I believe in creating a community uh, where people feel like they matter to our, our project. Uh, and I want to have the time and the, the resources to do that. You know, I know it's not the norm, but it, it's, it's important to me. And I think that it should be important to more people in the business. So, uh, that's, that's our goals for the next one. And if I can somehow convince Meredith to come on board, uh, <laughs> and, uh, like I said, I, one of my talents is collecting good people. So there are a lot of people that, that hopefully will be able to come on to the next one. Okay. Time for final five. Uh, okay. So each of you, please answer in whatever order you'd like. Uh, for each of you, what is the first film you ever made and how do you feel about it now? I made a short film called Gone Into the Clearing. I directed and produced it myself for about $13,000. I love it. Um, of course, it's nothing, you know, when you make a film, it's not going to be what you admit, uh, envisioned exactly. But um, the team that I created and, and worked with made something far more meaningful and important to me. And I'm super proud of it. Um, my first film was a short film called A Leg Up. Um, it was written while I was in holding while working on The Good Wife. <laughs> um, and it was based on a, a story I heard from a woman that I was friends with when I lived in Australia. And um, it was a fanta fantastic experience. I loved every second of it. And um, yeah, I'm super proud of it. I, of course, there are like a billion things I'd change about it, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a good experience. Um, what's the best filmmaking advice you've ever received? That is a good question. Um, trust your gut, trust your instincts. Nice. Oh gosh, I don't even know. Um, that was good, <laughs> Meredith. Should, should I steal that one? <laughs> I read a book by Ed Burns, and it was, and he said something about like being in the trenches. Like, pick people to surround yourself with that you that you want to be in the trenches with. And I felt like it was such a great way of describing what it's like to make a film in 11 days with no money. Um, you're like, hey, who can wheel the wardrobe chart, the wardrobe cart to our next? location. Thanks guys. You know, so I, I think it's like pick people you want to be around to, uh, to, to be in the trenches with you and then go have a beer afterwards. Um, what are your goals for filmmaking? To continue making content that I am passionate about and that others, um, will, it will create a, a community around that content. Um, I don't really care where it airs. Um, Although, you know, editing an HBO show will be nice eventually in the future. <laughs> um, filmmaking goals. I, yeah, I want to, I want to continue uh, creating great work with great people. Um, and also to, to, to change the landscape a little of, of the industry. If you could go back in time, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself? Give ourselves for in general. In general, or, yeah. 
for this project specifically. As an artist or even as a person, whatever you, however you want to interpret it. I would say uh, choose who you take advice from. Be more selective with um, who you believe and who you take advice from. Because uh, this industry isn't a one size fits all and nobody has the answers. There are no magical answers that are like, oh, this is exactly how it is. Um, it's different for everybody. So you have to kind of carve your own path. That is definitely something that I believe in. Every person, every editor, everybody has their own path and how they get to where they want to be. And uh, I was kind of told by certain people when I was in New York, oh, you'll never make it. Like, don't go to LA. Like, it's not worth it. Like, where are you going to go? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, it was super discouraging. Um, but when I finished graduate school at School of Visual Arts, everybody was saying, just go out to LA, just go. And I did, and I don't regret it. Um, I think that for me personally, don't be afraid of networking um, to the max, you know? Like, don't be afraid to go to that event or that bar or that social or whatever it is. Like, just, just go, just do it, see what happens. Is making movies hard? I'm gonna say no. Uh -huh. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say raising money is hard. I'm gonna say, uh, you know, scheduling is hard. <laughs> uh, but when it comes down to it and you're just there, and making movies with people that you like working with. No, it's, it's great. I, I just have the goosebumps. Um, it's just like, you know, you have that moment when you're on set or when you're in the editing room and you'd like solve that problem or you, you come up with that one thing that you've been searching for and you're like, no, that this is easy. This is, this is the good part. I agree. I mean, being an oncologist is hard. You know, my dad would come <laughs> home, my dad would come home every day after work and have a martini. Like, you know, it takes a toll on you. And, uh, we are living the dream. I think that we are making content We're making fun, fun passion projects and, when you are surrounded by people that you want to work with, um, it just makes it so much better. <laughs> and yeah, exactly what Kate said. Wow. Amazing. Um, so plug time, where should people go? Where do they, where do you want them to go to watch three bound to learn more about you and your company? Where should people head? We are on Amazon. We're on Google play, YouTube movies and, um, Tubi. And if you want to learn more about the movie, you can go to www.threeboundmovie.com. Um, and we're on all those social things, the, you know, the things. Do you love making movies as hard and you want to listen to more episodes? Jump over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash MMIH and you can listen to the entire back catalog of episodes for just $1.99 a month. That's an additional 300 episodes that aren't on iTunes that you can listen to whenever you please. But without any more blibber blabber. Back to the show! So, Liz, it's time for You're the Expert. So if this is the first time you're listening to the show, which I super duper hope it's not uh, on a throwback <laughs> episode, but that's fine if it is, no judgment. This is a, a segment that our producer Eric Toms invented where he comes up with a question that he thinks that Liz and I would be the ultimate experts on answering the question. So we do read these event in advance, so we get to like study them and come up with our answers. But here is this week's question. I need an empty warehouse location for an upcoming shoot. I've never rented a warehouse before and I have no idea what to offer. 
I don't want to shoot too low and be insulting, nor do I want to overbid and spend too much money. How do you negotiate locations or anything for that matter when you have no previous experience doing so? Liz, what you got? I think it's important to approach this without being too paranoid. I mean, yes, maybe if you're in L.A., there is a history of people overcharging individuals for film shoots but at the same time film shoots have destroyed locations like no one's business so maybe (laughs) we should be charged an arm and a leg but i would think actually to approach this challenge with just a degree of like humility and directness and just ask them their rate i don't think you need to be walk you don't need to walk on eggshells and kind of awkwardly or overcompensate in any way you just ask them the rate the way i find locations is i usually ask my friends for locations and i would say finding someone who shot at that location could be helpful you can even ask the person who oversees that location if they can connect you with other filmmakers who have shot there it's kind of like character references on a resume like you'd like to know that it is a well-vetted well-enjoyed location never lock a location without looking at multiple locations always get multiple quotes make sure i know eric didn't ask about this but this applies to the rate like ask about access to power bathrooms plumbing parking Uh, is there a blueprint or just even a basic sketch of the location they can share so that you can send that to your team and they can look at it in advance of a scout and say whether it could work for them or not. What do you have use of at the location? So I, I would say the way I respond to this question is people are not out to get you. Don't be too worried and be super direct. And you'll know if they're overcharging you because you will find multiple quotes for the for similar locations and they should be in within a specific range, right? They should be similar numbers. Auric, how about you? Cosign and all that advice. That's really great. I think asking is always the best way to go. Just, just say, say, Hey, what is your rate for this? And like, oftentimes people, especially in outside of Los Angeles, they may never have rented a, their location to a film before. So they don't even know. Right. So they might just throw out a number that they think is fair. It could be way too high. It could be way too low, you know, but like, I think that, yeah, just seeing what they're willing to do will, will kind of be a good way to start the conversation. And if they, you know, say a really high number, you can just be honest, like, Hey, that's not anywhere near my budget. This is more what I was thinking. And then they'll, they'll either say yes or no, or we'll consider that. But I, I definitely think getting multiple options is a good way to go. But like it's hard because sometimes there might not be multiple options, mm. you know, in your town it, within your schedule. So, yeah, I would just, you know, treat everyone like a person and just ask. And, you know, I think especially if you've never done it before, like being open that you've never done it before and like showing I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, you don't need to pretend that you're like some like pro whatever, like, oh, we've done this a thousand times. I mean, I think you do want to lean into like you have experience and that you know what you're doing. You have a plan, or insurance you have a team. Yeah. That you have insurance, you know, but like I wouldn't I would try to like put on any false airs because, you know, you are going to be working with this person directly. So you don't want to like set up like a web of lies in the beginning of your your negotiation, like saying, oh, yeah, I've done this so many times because they'll see when you're there, like if you don't have any experience and they'll know, you know, so like, yeah, just be honest. 
but also be confident too, you know, and, and I would walk in with a plan, like don't just walk in with no plan, like think about like what you're going to do. And I think, you know, knowing, you know, what you need for bathrooms, what you need for like, where you're going to have your food, you know, where you're going to feed people, where you're going to like have people hang out during the sex. You need to have places for people to be like, you know, when you're looking at the this, this space and talking to the person, like make sure that like these are all things that they are going to happen that they should be aware of so that they're not taken off guard when you like show up with like food and you know 40 people or whatever so i would i would just lay it all out for them and just make sure it's all very clear and that you're all on the same page of like what what you need and what you need to do yeah i don't know i think like going over all the details early on is important because every time that like that hasn't happened on a project it's always the worst because suddenly they're like oh i didn't know you needed that oh oh we need to charge you x more oh we don't have bathrooms what do you mean bathrooms we we, we hold it the whole time we go to work you know whatever (laughs) like there's like really ridiculous things that you don't you don't think of you know and then maybe you will have to hire, hire porta potties maybe you will have to you know bring in certain things and then that'll all affect your budget so you just need to like go over all those details. So like asking like what they need from you to do this, but also letting them know what you need from them to, to do this is really important. But yeah, I would just have, have a conversation. Don't be scared. You know, you'll do fine. Well, how about all of you? Do you agree with us? Do you have contrary advice? Send us a question, comment, or suggestion to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. If you like the show, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at MMIH Podcast, YouTube at Making Movies is Hard Podcast. Thanks to our editor, Jeff Freimuth, for doing all the editing. Thanks to Robert California Jones for doing our social media. Thanks to our producer, Eric Toms, for being awesome. Thanks to all of you for listening and talk to y'all next week. Boom. Bye, Liz. Thanks. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts. Yes.